what's going on, uh, Gross Solvers. Welcome back to another episode of the Good Grow Great podcast. This is the Great Lengths segment where I help you unpack with other people. I help you unpack all the things that they've been doing, how they've been doing it, and what are some things that you can do as well to emulate some of their successes and learn from maybe some of their missteps, right? And today we are learning from Molly Johnson. Now, Molly, which is so cool, Molly began her journey in business working for a local architect and she has had her own design firm for the last 11, 12 years. And her work was featured in an episode of DIY Networks, Kitchen Crashers, which is a show that I think here in the US is definitely on. I don't know if in other places in the world they have that show, but she's also on outlets like Fast Company Magazine. And she loves, just loves helping people, particularly busy professionals, in uh, her business style 1519 and so today on the podcast she's talking with us about number one the technique that you can use to work from home and how you actually should be working from home and how this can actually change your life drastically and number two the small things that you can do to win big against your own anxiety right or the pressures of everything around you or even things that are at home you know interruptions right if you live with other people and thirdly but definitely not the least intelligently hustle free ways to win back time now this is so cool because you know if you know me well you know that i love i love to advocate to really break free and rise beyond the hustle bravado and really take courage and have the courage to make bolder choices and make choices that's right for you, right? And so we're going to look at how that looks like for you. So before we begin Growth Solvers, don't forget to hit follow and subscribe. Let's dive in. All right, Molly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you here, mostly because we have some some things in common. We're both mothers and we've got kiddos under our wings. Mm -hmm. You also happen to work with women and parents, really, women and men who have kids under their wings and you serve them through your work and expertise in design. But before we jump into that, I actually wanted to start with where that love come from. You know, where where did that kind of originate that uh, basically prompted you to go, oh, you know what, I'll work with moms. Where did that come from, Molly? So thank you so much for having me. And that is a great question. Um, I've been an interior designer for 20 years and I've served all sorts um, of clients and really 10, I'm about 11 years into my own design firm now and realizing that I am my perfect client. I, um, I have kiddos in school I work from a home office uh, when I'm not out at my clients and realizing that I had the design piece that most moms and dads don't have. So we need being home all the time. We really need to have a functional family friendly space. And I felt I could use my design expertise to really help these moms and dads. Okay. This is a great topic because 
what I love is that now with the pandemic already happening mm-hmm. or are happening and we're all, a lot of people are transitioning into work from home. Mm-hmm. Again and again, you do hear a lot of people saying, oh my goodness, working from home is great, but you know, I love my family also, but boy, can they be <laughs> quite <laughs> a pain in the rear, right? Yeah, right. And so how do you then create, the question that comes up a lot is, a lot is how do you create an environment where everyone has their space, everyone is coexisting, not killing each other, loving each other, and also at the same time, productive. So can you touch a little bit about how people can really benefit from a basically a built environment that is programmed and really intentionally thought out, well thought out to basically create the best possible living condition and working condition. Sure. I think if you think about it, where we normally work, say, and, and normal is a, you know, I guess that's a relative term, but when, if you work in an office building and our kids that go to a school building every day, maybe not right now, but those places have been specifically designed. Your workplace, I mean, a design team has put that together to make sure your productivity is at its highest. Your school rooms are designed to keep kids engaged and really maximize their learning. So now that we're all doing that from home, it makes sense to have to design our homes slightly differently than just this is the place we go to relax and this is the place we go to unwind. Now we have to do a lot more in our homes. So you, why not think through that process of how can I design my workspace for the productivity? How can I set up my kids' learning space? So it's not just, you know, sitting at the kitchen counter. Um, but, but those things need to be thought through. And that design is absolutely possible to do with a little bit of guidance. We can all have those homes that are more productive for us. Yeah, and this is great because what's interesting is I find you're you're highlighting a few really key points here, and I want to kind of un- take a, a pause here and highlight some of them again because you mentioned that all of the places that we go to, those are mm-hmm. designed, right? Offices, right. restaurants, classrooms, mm-hmm. and yet when it comes to our own living quarters, <laughs> it's a right. mess, right? Or maybe yep. some people yep. have it together, but right. they're not really that intentional kind of thought right. process of, oh, okay, this little corner, how can we mm-hmm. create the best possible corner? So, and I wanted to touch on working from home uh, just a little bit more because this is obviously with people who have, obviously it's slightly different if you have kids and family, you're living in small quarters 24 mm-hmm. hours a day versus those who maybe just partially work from home or their kids are partially working from home. Can you share some maybe stories with, you know, you can share from your own clients maybe and some mm-hmm. stories of how before and after things have changed for them? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, I have a client who has four kiddos and they're all little. I think the oldest one is seven. So uh, <laughs> there's a lot of them, right? And um, last year, even before they were remote learning, um, she would set them up at a table to get some of their work done. And then she'd go into the office to work. And she was constantly in and out of her seat. You know, because it's like, I got to check on them. I need help. Hey, mom, come help me. I can't reach this. This is too far. You know, lots of different scenarios all feeding in to frustration on her end and the kid's end. 
So, you know, what can we do? So we took her home office. She came to me and this was actually a fully virtual project. Um, so she came to me and we took her home office and redesigned it. And I gave her a table, a round table in her office. Um, and then a desk that seats two people. So we redid the whole thing. I, you know, I took in everything that was going to work for her as far as her needs and her wants, but also really thinking through the functionality of it. And now she's got all of her kids set up in her office. They can reach the things they need. She's working at the same time and can help them more quickly and more efficiently now that the space has been thought through. They're not in the dining room at the table, which we've done too, but for her, putting them all together really made the work more efficient and easier to get through. And she loves it. She says, I never thought to put a table in my office. And it was like game changer. Yeah, so I like this specific example because what you're saying is that a everyone has a different you know different situation, and so mm-hmm. a lot of times it is a case by case basis, and there's not a specific right. formula, right? But right. more specifically, the other thing that I love that you just mentioned was that they the accessibility of things mm-hmm. being able to go through the lessons and the schooling together was important for the particular mm-hmm. parent and um, for that particular case, and I think. A lot of times as business owners and definitely for designers, I, I think help uh, getting into the minds of your clients, customers, and kind of going through specific, not, per, not so much minute by minute, but definitely hour by hour, what they're needing, what's mm-hmm. reasonable for them, right? How to make it easier. I love mm-hmm. this example because what it means is that, yes, we have to think about our clients, customers, and audience, but more importantly, how do we kind of go right into their shoes and how does that, you know, if we are in their shoes, what does that look like? So I love that example. And um, did, the, did the kids get involved at all in this process or did they just kind of, it's mostly mom and, uh, and you together working? So I would say um, it's mostly myself and the client, but I always encourage, ask them. And that's one thing I talk about in my um, bundle that I put together was if you get the kids involved in the floor plan, if you get the kids involved listing their needs for the space, they are so much more likely to be successful in that space because they feel like they had a hand in it. Um, If you're picking a new paint color, let them help pick that paint color. Obviously, the parents have the final say in all that, but the kids are so much more likely when they've got a stake in the game. Yeah, this is good because I personally, from my personal experience, this is definitely something that I use heavily is <laughs> just the, the, their involvement with it. Yeah, And mm-hmm. um, I think you're absolutely right because if they're aware of what you're doing, the the curiosity is not so much to interrupt you. The curiosity is more to, to be like, oh, how can I be successful in this too? And mm-hmm. then also mom be successful in this as well, which obviously yeah. they don't think about at that age, right? Even high grade school age, but but just having them embracing them in and just kind of going, okay, let's do this together. And I like your, <laughs> when you're highlighting that, the parents get the final say. And right. great. This is, yeah, I think this is something that we have to kind of remember when we're involving our family members, kids, spouse, whatever, um, in our business and our work, because 
yes, we're giving them options, but it's still like within the parameters of what you're okay with, right? Right. So I'm sure when you're giving them color, color swatches, you're recommending colors that or whatever uh, furnishing that you mm-hmm. yourself, um, you know, Molly, you're still, you would still approve and you know that right. it's, it's going to work, right? So that's, I think that's really, really great. So um, I wanted to actually, before we dive further in, I wanted to actually go rewind the time just a second here mm-hmm. and go back to the time when you're just starting out, right? Because now you're like 10 plus years into your business and you're, you know your niche and your, your people. And right. for the audience members, right? And I'm just subbing in for the audience members who may or may not just be starting to kind of like, oh, what, what should I do? This is, there's a COVID pandemic here happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to start something new, different design or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, was there a moment when you doubted yourself and what you're doing? whether it's helping moms at that point or just, hey, this is a business that can really be um, important. Was there a moment like that, Molly? There were multiple moments. I mean, when I left my, my corporate design job 11 years ago, I, I doubted it then. Am I ever going to have clients? Um, and then for the last 10 years, I've just been going along and doing my thing, and then, which is great. It's been very successful one-to-one design. Um, a year ago was really when I decided to hone in on mom's because that's where I was. I needed, I could see where the extra support was needed. And these moms, we are out here shouldering it all, you know, like what's for dinner, fill out the field trip form. Where's my sock? You know, I mean, all of this. And then, Hey, could we have a dinner party on Saturday and have the home look beautiful too? So there was support needed, but when I, when I decided that a year ago, um, there was absolutely doubt in like, where are these moms? How do I find them? And then getting, I, I find, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I find moms have a hard time admitting that we need help. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to get them to, you know, send the email or post on social or reach out to me on my Facebook page to say, I need help with this. Um, I thought, where, where are they? Maybe this isn't the right field to, to be helping people. <laughs> in. <laughs> so I think ultimately I had to become okay with failure. And every time I failed, looking at it instead of it saying this is a failure to look at it and say, well, that's interesting feedback. I'm going to change maybe how I present that. And then I'm going to try again. Um, and that's been really hard. It's been a huge mindset shift in my own business because to have a successful business for 10 years and then, you know, try my hand reaching more people online, it was brand new. And I wasn't allowing myself, um, you know, I told myself it wasn't okay to fail and, and having to become okay with that and just keep trying. So I would just say if it's meant to be and you're passionate about it, it will be. Right. And I, (laughs) there's so much to unpack here because let's, (laughs) let's start with, with the fact that moms, well, most moms anyway, I'm sure there's some superstar moms out there who who aren't doing this, but a lot of moms are to your point and dads actually, I find Mm -hmm. it's true as well, have a hard time admitting that they need help. Mm -hmm. And I know personally, when I (laughs) speak for personally, from my experience, 
A, I think it's hard to find, yes, for sure, it's hard to find the time to even seek out help, right? Mm -hmm. But also B, it is, I don't think we probably, the moms and dads probably think of, you know, design as just kind of that natural, okay, this can actually change my life, which it can, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So um, why do you think that, like, why do you think that parents have, specifically of little kids as well, Mm -hmm. parents have such a hard time, you know, admitting that we need help. I mean, maybe personally, you can speak to this as well, Molly. Well, I think it's our home. Our home is so personal. And to be able to say, I can't do this, um, to let someone into their home, I feel like we grow up with a lot of expectations, especially once we get married and now we have a family you know, no one really ever says like, do you feel capable to pick a paint color? I mean, no, nobody says that, right? Uh, so I feel like we seek out help in so many other areas of our life. We get an accountant, um, we go to the doctor, we go to a hairdresser, we, you know, and nobody even thinks twice about that. But because it's so close to home, literally, um, I think some people are really embarrassed by it. I ask all the time on my Facebook group, I say, who, who wants to come on a live with me and I'll help you design your space. And sometimes it's like crickets because they're, they're afraid. They're embarrassed to say, here's my living room. Isn't it awful? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is true. I think this is, this really hits it in the bullseye because I have definitely found that when, and it's, I think it's different when you're just building a new house or where you, if you're just moving into a new house, right? Because if you already have the kids and the, the spouse in the house and you already have things certain ways, it's kind of, you know, to your point, it's kind of hard to kind of accept that, hey, there are even more things, more opportunities to make this even better, mm-hmm. which I think is also probably true in business and all domains in business, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're already like a, a few years into it, sometimes it's hard to realize or even see that, hey, there's a plateau here. It's mm-hmm. really, you know, it's not really maximize or optimize or it's not really the best that it can possibly be and Mm -hmm. the question of how can we make this better doesn't always get asked so um so i wanted to actually talk a little bit and i love that we're touching on these these uh, personal topics was there a moment when you know whether your your work with moms or previously in the past 10 years with your other design work was there a moment when you've done all you can and you've you've provided your design ideas you're kind of halfway through that design process and then the client says never mind uh i don't like it and then they they leave is was there a moment like that molly um i would say not really i think that those moments come in the initial interview process there's sometimes questions of I don't understand how you can get me already. So I'll get a question like that. Or they say, what if I don't like it? I mean, really, that is the number one question. Um, and, and, and people always say, people have this perception of designers, right? That we're going to like spend all your money <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to leave and you're going to hate it, right? And you're going to want to change it all. Yeah, there's this perception of that. So what I tell people on whether it's an hour project or it's an entire home um, you know, a custom home. It's a team. 
Like we are a team and I am here to help speak for you when you aren't sure of what it is that you want. Um, but I'm here to help you through that process together. I want to make your vision come to life. And not all designers are like that. Um, but there is this misconception that, um, you know, we're just, if you tell us your budget, we're going to spend it all, you know? Uh, and, and that's just, that's, you know, wasting time if we don't know your budget. So, um, no, I've never really had anybody say, I hate how this is going goodbye. Um, but a lot of times up front, there is some pushback of, I don't understand how this works. What if you show me something and I hate it? Uh, what if something goes up and, it, and I don't like it? And it's really, it comes down to, I will not walk away from a project until you're happy and, and I'm here for you. Right. And this is so great to point out because I, I think it's normal. I think every business owner goes through something like this, whatever they're doing, right? Because the, the client, customers, buyers, they always go through kind of a moment of, well, should I, shouldn't I, right? Mm-hmm. Even no, no matter how credible, successful, obviously useful what you can provide, right? And um, what I like is that you just kind of emphasizing on, hey, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, if you're, when you're happy, then I'm happy. I think that's mm-hmm. so important to highlight because particularly now in the virtual world, it's kind of hard to communicate that. And um, if you're not doing one-on-one work, right, for the audience who's listening. And so I think it's so important to highlight that in any possible situation, if you can, you have a way to communicate that, then you have a better chance of, uh, for sure, moving your business forward, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, so let's talk for a minute here, design principles, because for the listeners who are listening, they're probably like hanging out on their couch, or they're cooking mm-hmm. dinner, they're changing, getting ready to go to the gym or whatever, taking a shower. And um, maybe they're looking at their hamper and their bathtub or whatever, and they're like, oh my gosh, something needs to change. So mm-hmm. um, obviously they can work with you and we'll share more information about Molly at the end. But for uh, some quick wins, like what are some things that maybe you can share with the audience as far as trying to put, trying to get your life back together in the form of, you know, interior design? Should they start in the bedroom? Should they start in the bathroom? Should they start in the entrance, like where you come into the door, by the garage? Like where do you typically recommend people starting? Um, so that's good. That answer is going to be different for everyone. I suggest spending a few minutes in every room in your home and just jotting down how it makes you feel. Uh, if you're in a room all the time and it makes you feel anxious, then start there. Um, I have found that people are spending a lot of time at home right now and I'm getting a lot of calls because the kitchen, the heart of the home, the family room and the master bedroom are, are not making people happy. You know, if you've got five people in your family that are usually at work and school and now we're all there together, you might have realized that even though you like it, it's not functioning for you. So first off, I'd say, see how each room makes you feel and just jot those down and then jot down your priorities. I suggest finishing a space before you move on to the next or you're never going to feel satisfied and you're not going to be sure what you did. So if you're doing, you know, a a full remodel, that's pretty easy to start and finish as far as knowing you need to start and finish. But if you just need some new lighting and furniture and things, then, then do it and finish it. And then you'll feel so much better about that space and then move on to the next project. 
Okay, this is, these are really great, you guys. If you guys are listening, and Molly is already sharing like multiple things that you can do. And I think the first place that I like to point out that she recommended us starting is really how does each room make us feel, right? And you mentioned one of the feelings that sometimes you get from one room is anxiety. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> And I think a lot of people associate anxiety with mental health, right? Work, job, business, all of these things. And we kind of, we tend to forget just the tangible ways that you can help kind of strip ourselves away from anxiety, right? And um, laundry room, I think, <laughs> is one that kind of stands out. Garage, right? Garage mm-hmm. kind of stands out. Usually kind of the outlying rooms and spaces in the house that really doesn't get too much attention, even if it's organized and everything. Mm-hmm. But when you come in, you're kind of like, well, this is really, um, you know, this is really not the, yeah, I, I want to get out of here, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and sure, there are rooms that are just functional, but uh, let's, let's start there. Like, let's, let's pretend that we're looking at the laundry room and a mom or a dad say, okay, you know what? We need to make this laundry room so much better. And of course you have to have the, the washer and dry and all that good stuff still there, the functional aspects of the room. Um, what can you add or maybe take away from the room that uh, would help kind of get rid of that anxiousness and, and help us feel better about that room? Uh, one word, organization. Yeah, <laughs> really, especially in a laundry room when you've got backpacks and shoes and work bags and the laundry's being done there, which I've never understood. And maybe it's just here in America where we do our laundry the same place we come in. Uh, it's, it's a crazy design, um, but it's organization. And I think get the whole family involved again, because if the kids are going to have involvement in where their shoes are going to go, they're more likely to put them there because they think the you know, Spider-Man basket that they picked out is so cool to put their shoes in. So get them involved. Number one, number two, take a day or a weekend and get everything out of the room first. If you're going to organize it, get everything out and only put back what you need. There's this, um, touch it once theory. Um, so if you, if something comes into the home, like let's say the pile of mail comes in, touch it once. So pick it up, figure out where it goes and either throw it out or keep it, but don't set it on the counter or on top of the washing machine to then move it again. So same, same thing goes when you're organizing is, are you going to use it? And if you are, put it where it needs to be. So it's there for you and and ready to go. It's hard to take the organizing step, but once you do, you, you are so grateful. Yeah, this is good. This is really good. And I like that touch it once technique because Mm -hmm. You do tend to find out, you do tend to go like, oh, here's the mail. And then it ends up like on the kitchen counter. And then after the yep. kitchen counter, it goes on your desk. After the desk mm-hmm. goes uh, in this room when you're, where you're doing it. It's so interesting how we just move things move around. Move it around, right. <laughs> and, and I think you're right in that it probably does look different from place to place, culture to culture, country to country. Mm-hmm. Having lived in both, obviously, the United States and also other parts of the world, 
I do agree the laundry room is weirdly situated, usually. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, people call it mud room, right? And, mud rooms, right. And maybe it's because the functionality of American home is usually surrounding the car, right? So then mm-hmm. you're out in the car, maybe going out sledding or whatever, and then you want a place you want to find a place to just dump everything. So that's why the laundry room is the way that it is. But um, but I don't find that true in other parts of the world. Like I don't see that too often. Well, I mean in mm-hmm. certain parts, but not all of them. So mm-hmm. it's really interesting and definitely different case by case for sure. So mm-hmm. I want to touch uh, for a second here, Molly, on your uh, your feature on DIY Network's Kitchen Crashers. (laughs) Um, So tell us about your experience there. I'm sure the audience would love to hear and just walk us through what that looks like. So DIY Network, which is HGTV as well, um, it's brought a ton of awareness to my industry. So I tell people I kind of have this love-hate relationship because it's kind of brought this unrealistic expectation of design projects that they're going to happen really fast uh, on a really good budget, which isn't necessarily the case. Um, But, you know, when I started in this industry, I think trading spaces was just getting started. I remember that show. Yeah. 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 That's funny. (laughs) Right. So we've come so far and you can get tons of inspiration online. Um, Being um, asked to do an episode of Kitchen Crashers um, was really eye-opening for me just because it was kind of like seeing the man behind the curtain a little bit. You know, it was like it was pulled back and... It was a great experience getting to design for a TV show, um, but you do kind of see it doesn't all happen in a weekend, which I already knew, right? But the audience is out there. It's very hard to educate people on the real world design. It does not happen in a weekend. It just doesn't. Even though it looks like it, they, you know, there's, there's planning involved in that too, so... Yeah, this is so true. And I think we all theoretically probably know that realistic (laughs) aspects of it. But in our mind, we're still kind of like, oh, surely it'll be done in 30 minutes because that's what we see. And um, of course, with TV shows, there are production aspects of it. So they're trying to they're trying to share specific stories right Mm -hmm. and highlight specific things about the work and i find this true as well in you know kitchen and food networks right like you're cooking and then you see like suddenly the dish where it's already done is served (laughs) up in a platter and you're like wait a second (laughs) (laughs) and um and it just you're absolutely right it just kind of gives us this unrealistic expectations right and so i highly highly encourage i think all you know aspiring designers and definitely business owners who's listening to this podcast as well yes continue to remind yes continue to be aspired to do those but for sure to continue to remind ourselves of uh the the real work behind the scenes as well which is great so molly believe it or not we are coming to the conclusion of our interview so why don't you share with the audience where they can learn more about you and then we'll wrap up the interview Yeah. So um, the easiest place to find me is to go to my website. Uh, All my links are there and that is www.style1519.com. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I wish you great success in the many years to come. Thank you so much for having me, Talia. I appreciate it. Amazing. Thank you. Don't forget to hit follow and subscribe. Let's dive in.